If you are an HR professional, business owner, or at the operations level trying to understand what people want, you may be struggling. Our systems have been shocked, practices have been questioned, and culture is the leading conversation. Let's learn how culture is created, sustained, and why it should be the leading conversation when discussing hiring, training, and retention. This is the foundation of any business, and it's time to address it. So tune in to Let's Talk HR, humanizing the conversation. We tackle topics that influencers of change need to understand and struggle to overcome every day, such as where to start and what the new workforce wants and how to attract and keep positive momentum going. I'm your host, Leanne Lovely. Randy Wilinski is a speaker, trainer, and coach. He has worked as a customer experience manager in several major corporations. As a speaker, he shows organizations how to build a culture of customer loyalty and resilience. Randy trains people in all occupations who interact with both internal and external customers. In his workshops, he trains leaders to build resilience in their workforce in order to increase their impact. He loves to mountain bike, kayak, cooking, and restore classic cars in his free time. Randy, I'm so excited to have you here to talk with me today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, so why don't we jump right in? Why don't you start off by telling me a little bit about yourself? All right, I will do that. So I am a speaker, trainer, coach. I also work in marketing, uh, and I love people. I'm passionate about people. So that manifests in a lot of different ways. But because I'm passionate about people, I've found a niche in, in customer service. I've, I've always loved helping people and being a solution and finding uh, ways around problems and delivering you know, those amazing customer experiences. So that's where I found a niche. And then as I've gone on my speaking journey as well, I've, I've uh, had a great mentor, Jeff Cordes, who he also speaks on employee retention. And then I've gotten into so much of, of working with him and seeing his speech. Sometimes I've even delivered uh, that speech, which is really cool. Um, but it's all still about people, right? It's all mm -hmm. about people. Like retaining people is all about how you treat them. Good customer service is all about how you treat them. And so those are two areas that I talk about and I'm passionate about. And then just individual people's resilience to problems, to problem solving, to problems and struggles that they have internally, to, to things that manifest on the outside, which those can be employee retention problems. Those can be customer experience problems. Uh, people don't realize too, like sometimes your customer is your coworker that you have to deliver something to. So you mix all that together. I'm passionate about people. And then I want to train with people and teach them um, anything that I can learn new that's going to help them do better at work, do better in life. And this is why I love talking with you so much because, you know, I love people. I'm passionate about people as well. So, um, again, prior to having you come on, you and I had a great conversation. So I'm really excited to continue this conversation. But um, yes. people are everything. They make up all of our businesses. They make up, I mean, if we can get back to that true customer service, whether that be talking like what you just said to our coworkers and treating them like our customers and that true customer service when it comes to business to business, wouldn't this just be a better world to live in? A hundred percent. Like that, that, that's the thing that I think I love most about it for people is when I'm doing trainings with them, it's like, this shouldn't just be how you treat this person or how you treat someone that reports to you. You should start going, oh, this is how I should treat my spouse 
oh, maybe I need to talk to my kids a little bit more this way instead of losing my temper. Maybe I need to, to think about things differently. I want this to transcend uh, your work environment because it is about people. Like, again, that's, that's why I think we hit it off is because you're so passionate about, about finding people, about putting them in the right places, about making them happy. Same thing. We're right there. We're in sync. I, that's what I love too. Like the, the human interaction, I, like I'm off the charts when it comes to like, you know, those, uh, the tests, like the Myers-Briggs and all those stuff. But when you get into like the percentages, I'm like off the charts for people. You know, like I, I we were talking about that. They're like, da, 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 da. here's the disc. We we're talking about it at, mm-hmm. at work. And they're like, oh, Randy, he, oh my God, he's, he's an I. Like there's no question about, about, you know, being extroverted, caring about other people, being attuned to people. And I think that that, that no matter who you are, you need to learn those skills. You, you aren't going to get anything in life if you don't get the most out of your interactions with other humans. Right. And it, and it's interesting that um, I just was having a conversation with somebody else about the younger generation struggling mm. with that. You know, I you and I grew up in a time when, you know, you, you have to pick up the phone and call people. Right. Yes. And now yes. You, you have a younger generation who you call them and you don't they don't answer. You text yeah, or that's them. Rude. Or that's rude, maybe. Like, what are you calling me out of the blue? <laughs> right, right. But you text them and it's like instantaneous. They text back and you're like, okay, you clearly have your phone in your hand. Mm-hmm. I just called you. Like, why can't you pick up the phone? So yeah, there's. That's a great, that's a great point. And uh, so we're elder millennials. I've, I've heard that called before. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that term. So it's like, um, and I won't ask your age, that would be rude, right? <laughs> but we'll say an, an, an older millennial like me, if you're from like 81 to 85, mm-hmm. which is all cap off at my, I was born in 85, you understand an analog world and a digital world. So we're actually in a really cool spot because we can, like I remember having three channels on the television and turning it with the with the, the players because you don't know where the button went. Doom, doom, doom. I remember that. I remember when pagers came out, like I had to have a pager. It's so ridiculous because I probably got like five pages on it. Like I didn't even need it, but it was like the cool new technology. And then all the way to, uh, you know, the instant gratification as I call dopamine drug dealer that we have, which is another huge problem that we're going to have to deal with as a society because this thing's dinging, bopping, binging all the time is a whole other problem. And those younger people, they're addicted to it. And then they use this technology to keep the human interaction like this, right? Let's keep you, let's keep you separate from me. This is my safe area. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not only younger people, we're, we're, people are screening people's calls. People are getting maybe a little less friendly than what they used to just because there's changes in technology. Mm-hmm. You're just seeing it so drastically with people who like us can't even remember what life was like before you could instantly connect with someone. So lots of shifts have happened. Um, but it's definitely something that everybody needs to be thinking about and talking about. And even with their, their younger people, you gotta, you almost have to, if they're unwilling to, you have to sell them on the concept that this human interaction, you know, we're, if we were in person, it'd be even higher, but we're having a conversation. We can see each other's body language. Mm -hmm. There's so much value in that as humans. Right. Right. And so I was, I was, I don't know where I was going, but I'm driving down the street, right? And I see people taking a walk and I'm like, wow, it's great. People are getting out, taking a walk. But then you realize, no, wait, they're taking a walk. They, they are looking at, they're, they're not looking up and looking around. They're looking down 
at their phone while they're walking. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, even when you're outside, even when people are walking their dog, they still have their cell phones glued to them. And yes, yes, I, I, Born eighty one, I'm forty one years old. Oh, you made okay. the cut off. Right, made the cut off. Right, We're I, with it. We're together. I used to pretend that I was not a millennial. Um, ah, I know. Yeah, I know. We, we get, get a bad rap. But even when I, I got my first cell phone when I was eighteen years old, and I, I was one of the. I I used to get mad at my friends and be like, "Are you are you kidding? Like, let's just go out and." Like if you're sitting and having dinner with somebody, you're you're mm-hmm. really gonna answer your phone. And so I guess I've become one of those like old angry people when it comes to like don't answer your phone if you're sitting at dinner with somebody. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I've kind of become a cranky like yeah. old lady when it comes to that kind of. St- now I'm, I will admit I have been guilty of that occasionally, and and then of course I find a way sure. to justify it. Well, that one was important. <laughs> My thing was important. What you're doing is stealing time from me. <laughs> what I yeah, hundred percent. Of course, 100%. of course. You know, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, even back when they first came, and and back then that was the black, you know, big phone with the you oh know. the bag. Well, it wasn't that. No, phone? it wasn't. No, it wasn't that. But it Not was. It was still. It was still. And it just had the black screen and the green letters. And if you text, it took you know a half an hour to make one text. Message. Oh my gosh! Yeah, there was no way you're gonna hit three buttons. And then they came out with. Uh, it's funny to think about the technology evolution, but absolutely, yeah. The it it stayed at this kind of contained level, and not everybody was doing it until it became just so easy mm-hmm. and now it's like we're integrated it's like our it's like our leg if we're missing our phone we like need it right right, right. Yeah, and absolutely. my husband you know, i walk out of my house i've walked out of my house and started driving away multiple times though without my cell phone i'm like oh crap yeah. i gotta turn around and go get it and my husband's like, how do you do that and i'm like I, because I, I when i get home i don't want I don't want to look at my phone. Unfortunately, I have to because that's the only way anybody can communicate. There's been times where my dad has had to text my husband and say, you know, I've been trying to get a hold of Leanne all day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, it's one of those things. It's now become such a norm and it's become so like if people get angry, if they can't access you or you don't get back to them. Whereas you think, obviously, if when, when we were growing up, you had to call someone on the phone. If you didn't get a hold of them, you left a message and you didn't expect to have instant connection to people. You didn't, mm-hmm. you didn't have these preconceived things that you put on them of, well, I text you. Well, I did this. How come you didn't? It was just like, oh, they'll get back to me when they get back to me, right? 24 hours was very standard. And when you left the office, the office didn't follow you really. I mean, I suppose for some people, especially uh, 90s time, they're getting bag phones, car phones. That was the coolest thing, those giant blocks. Um, to walk around with but the world has changed so much so drastically and we we can't even keep up as humans like we have to think about not only can it potentially destroy communication but it just changes our interactions and so we got to have those conversations so that's why the generational conversation has become so important I, I love talking about it because it isn't your fault if you're a, a young millennial, especially, or a Gen Z, if you've had something like this your whole life and then everybody's like, oh, they're so stupid. They're so addicted to it. They are literally addicted to it. This is, 
This is ding, bop, bang, boom. This is the dopamine releasing addictive. It's like gambling. It's like drinking. It's like any other vice. It's literally a vice. And now you've given it to practically toddlers. We got toddlers that can't even speak on iPads. And there's, there's a thing to be said, like, look how smart we could make them. Look how we could do this. But they're not interacting with humans. They're right. That's right. going to affect that's going to affect their development. And it's not their fault. That's what parents have to make that decision. Parents have to know about that. Right. Employers have to know about how they, they want to have this relationship. Do you want to be um, a culture where you are always accessing your people? Because that's the cool thing about millennials and Gen Z. They might like that. They like like the, the kind of the hustle and the move and maybe responding at 10 o'clock at night. Your older generations might go, don't call me on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Don't text me about work. Don't call me about work. And so you can have conversations about boundaries. You can have conversations about what's best for the employees and, and work-life balance. Um, in the first program we ever made, it was called Making Millennials Great because everybody was hating millennials so hard. And we were like, you know what? Some of these things that are annoying you, I see. And we, every time we'd have millennials in the crowd, they would be like, well, not me. And I, I genuinely believe it. Like they were leaders, they were moving. They're like, but I've got friends that are doing those things. I've seen that. I have employees that are annoying me with those. I'm, ghosting. Give you a good example. You, you ain't going to find no baby boomers or Gen Xers ghosting employers, getting hired and never hearing from them again. That's a new problem. Okay. Right. Did not exist before. Right. Right. And the older generation is trying to figure out like what I don't get it, but it is also a symptom of the way that some of these individuals have been brought up. 100%. Which is exactly what you're saying. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a respect thing. When I was growing up, it was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, or sir, or, you know, Mr. Smith, may I please. Yeah. I, I, some of these kids now, I, I you know, I'm, I'm doing, you know, let me back up because you hit a nerve. Some of these younger generations, it's like they look at you like you owe them something. And I, I just I look at them and I'm like, how even in point, even when they start a job, like you say something to them and they're snarky and they're yeah. like and I'm dumbfounded when I started yeah. a job, it was. I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to, not that I didn't have, you know, a chip on my shoulder and did, you know, didn't think that like, Oh, I'm going to come in with all the brightest, newest ideas because yeah. You that's know, what young people do. That's, that's young people. Correct. But I still respected the fact that I had a manager that I needed to report to. I would, you know, you don't no show your first day of work. You don't, oh. you know, no show an interview and then expect to get another interview. You, you know, if you're sick, you, you call before your shift starts, not like yes. two hours not, after. Not 30 it's, minutes late, right? Right. <laughs> and, and this is like a trend that you're constantly seeing. And it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Now, before we continue, I, I love where this conversation is going. But before we continue, I just, I, so your role, because we didn't really, your role at some of these companies is you go in, not only are you a speaker, but you are a trainer and you are yes. also a coach. Yes. So before we continue this, how did you like, how did you end up down that path? <laughs> well, two roads diverged in a woods. 
one was dark and scary and the other was bright and amazing and i chose the bright and amazing road traveled no so um yeah that's kind of an interesting story even just to get into that and that would have been a great thing um to tell you but this is this kind of a weird spot so i was working in corporate america and i really loved it i was i was i was kind of a golden boy that's always my goal whenever i work somewhere to have everybody like me to deliver um, high on those things of like, what do they need? What do they want? I'll do whatever it takes. And so that's just a good way to climb up the corporate ladder. I was even thinking I should write a book about that, like being the golden boy. There's a way or golden girl, whatever. We'll figure out how to be made of gold. It's like, if somebody asks you for something, figure out how to do it. And there's nothing I dislike, disdain, or hate more than people that say, that's not my job or, oh, something, something. It's like, okay, even if that's not my job, I'll never let those words come out of my mouth. It's like, let me find you the right person. That's the, that's internal customer service. Oh, you need something? You need something that? Hey, let me find the best person for that. Or, oh, you know what? I'm going to get that question for you. Now, I'm like the champion of solving that problem for them, even if I'm not the one that solves it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just, again, a key formula for climbing up at something is be open, be willing, try things, take on more than you feel you can do. And then you can always back down and say, great, you know what? I'm, I'm liking this. I'm doing this. You know, I can be even better with like, if we take this off my plate. But a lot of people want to push everything off and keep all these distances, and they're just not open to opportunities and things. Anyway, I digress. We could talk down that road if you want later. But so I was in corporate America. I remember I had a boss. I had a boss who um, it was like after work at like 6 or 7 p.m. And we did have a, a chain. It was in technology. So I was on a call list. And I think, again, I was just exhausted from work. And I had fell asleep at like 6.37. Well, one of my is either one of my guys, one of my girls didn't answer the phone for something. It got escalated. I didn't answer until we'll say half an hour, hour later. I like woke up and go, oh my God, I got missed calls. What's going on? And, um, you know, just got reamed out, just got chewed out. And my boss before that was super great restructured. Now I got this new boss. I don't have any credit with him. I don't want ever, he's got a different style. He's just a jerk. I'm like, for no reason, like it's one thing to be like, Hey Randy, you know, you know, I know this is that you got to always try to be available, make sure this we could have had a conversation, just got reamed out and I got mad. And, uh, <laughs> and I did the millennial thing too, with this, I said, I could keep working at this job with this guy who's a jerk, or I could go do my own thing and own it because I'm never going to own this company. And most people, especially older generations, they are super secure, great benefits, upward mobility, you know, put up with some BS for a little bit and you'll, you'll, you know, who cares? And that probably in some respects would have been the right thing to do. But what I did instead is I jumped ship and I had my sister's um, family business that she had created with her husband out in Denver that like, come help us run it, come out there and do it. And so I jumped ship. I left Wisconsin. I moved out to, uh, to Denver and the quick synapses, we could go down this another time, but imagine American Ninja Warrior meets American Gladiator meets Wipeout all together. So you can picture that for small groups of people. So like 12, I mean, I guess up to like 300, 400 we've had in there. And there was a lot of team building opportunities. So that's where I first started learning that I loved leading groups of people through obstacle courses, through hilarious challenges, through, through challenging things. And I liked adults. So like a lot of times you get a lot of the younger kids that would do these things with groups of parties, but I love the team building aspect because I could incorporate what I learned in the corporate world to this new environment. And it was super fun. And that was at least kind of the genesis of where I got the idea that I wanted to 
do more training and work with companies and help them and, and change their minds about things. Like that's where I started seeing it and getting really excited. Um, and then just to cap it off, I had run into somebody who was a speaker and a trainer out in, out in Denver. And one of the questions, of course, they ask is, well, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? It wasn't quite that, but, you know, what do you want to do for your future, this and that? I'm like, I want to do what you do. And so her and I had gotten to meet and I really liked what she was doing. She was an author. She was a speaker. She was a trainer. That kind of got me kicked off on it. And then what was perfect is a lifelong friend and uh, the, the father of a, a gentleman that I went to school with, who's been a lifelong friend in high school, his dad was a speaker and a trainer. So like he had talked to me about this before I left, saw the potential. I had this another experience out in Denver. And then I'm like, okay, I got to move back by family. I want to go reconnect back in Wisconsin. We came together and then created something out of that. So it's kind of a long way to like, it's a little serendipitous. Like I just, I fell into it a little bit. And then I had a mentor that was really going to be able to help me. And it's just been a, it's been a process. It's not been a, it's not been a straight road. I'll tell you that for sure, but it's been a process. And again, it's still something I love and, and enjoy doing till this day. That's amazing. And you know what? I think that the majority of people out there, um, you know, some are extremely intentional, but mm -hmm. a, a lot of us fall into you know, our, our areas of expertise, our passions in, yeah. in some way or another. And, um, that's quite a story. That's, that's quite a story. It's yeah. Is it fate? Right. It yeah. was fate always like, if I would have stayed here, maybe I would have been anyway, because, because Jeff, who I do co-speaking with, especially the optimizing generations, he was telling me I should be doing it before I left. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, I could maybe, and then I go out there and it's still pulling me, even though it was like, it almost was chasing me down. I, I'll say, I like it. Like, it's like, I got a little more experience. And then I had that and I gravitated and I told him that he's like, oh, we're going to go to the seminar. You know, we're going to learn about this. I want you to understand the business. And then when I came back, we've been speaking, I think that was like 2015 or something. We've been doing speakings and trainings together ever since. But it's like, it, it's like the dream chased me down. I didn't choose the game. The game chose me, or at least I, I hope so. I hope that's true. That's awesome. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. So, so optimizing the generation for greatness. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about that. So, you know, what's really cool. I'll tell you two, you you only asked for one and I'll give you more than you asked for. Excellent. So this originally, started, yeah, this originally started as making millennials great. It was built on five pillars. I'll just cover them really quickly because it evolved into, well, if we're bringing all the generations together, it's a little different, but what we were saying for millennials is, vision and this can be for employees people need to know why what they're doing matters and why their job matters it's so important it transcends generations but it's what we said like you could have gotten away with it with with uh, baby boomers where they're just like give me my paycheck give me a raise every couple of years whatever and and i'll stay and i'll be loyal you need to have a vision because millennials have a higher expectation they wanted to be and younger and gen z they want to be connected with something that matters Number two, growth. It's the number one thing for younger people. Growth, growth, growth. They want to go somewhere that they can learn more, that they can grow, that they can be challenged. You have to provide those opportunities, especially for younger people. Again, older generations would be like, yeah, whatever. If it's stable, if it's good, if I can take care of my bills, you know, different cultures in like the Gen X, like you said, you're right on the edge of Gen X. That's the work hard, party hard type generation. Um, they want to work really hard and then they want to disconnect from work. It's just a typical right and baby boomers i want something super secure i want to save for my future i want to provide 
I want to be a hardworking, but growth, it, once they're established, they're not interested in it. So younger people, growth, um, feedback. So this is the one that is kind of fun because with younger people, a lot of people think that we're kind of wussy, right? We can't handle harsh feedback. And there is some degree that you have to use a little different tact with younger people, mm -hmm. because if you try to hit them over the head, dunk, like you would a younger per or an older person, like a, a baby boomer, if they got cussed out by their boss, they'd be like, man, screw that guy. And they'd be drinking about a beer and complaining to their friend. And then they'd go back to work. You cuss out a millennial or a Gen Z, you're never going to see them again. They are leaving right. at lunchtime. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so proper well, feedback. I think it was ever okay, but you got to adjust it. You can't use that way of talking. And, and, and I just want to make a comment on the point Please. that you, so it's hard right now for, because a lot of the managers are yeah. baby boomers or, yeah. you know, Gen Xers, yep. Gen Xers and they don't, you know, again, it's hard for them to manage the younger generation and understand that you can't give them feedback the way that you yes. get feedback if you go and, and do it the way that you're accustomed to or have throughout your career, and that's the struggle that I always come up against yes. when, you know, placing individuals and companies, because, you know, I can't go to my client and be like, yeah, so my, my employee called me today and wants me to find him a new job because apparently you went out there and, and used the tough approach and said, you know, I'm going to need you to you know, and basically cussed them out. And, and you, yeah. you try to explain that to the older generation. They're like, I just told them they needed to step up their game or whatever. And I'm like, yes. yeah, you should have, I guess, maybe held their hand. And <laughs> well, and again, I'm, you know, I'm being no, facetious, no, but there's a spectrum on that. And you're a hundred percent right. Cause like cussing people out, it never right. worked ever but you could have gotten away with it. You absolutely won't. Right. But even they're like, I'm as gingerly as humanly possible. And these people are just not resilient, which is another area I'm passionate about. They're just like, they're kind of uh, what I always hear these fun, like uh, what was one I heard in the South, a hothouse lily, like, Ooh, it's gotta be, everything's gotta be perfect or they're going to wilt. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, that's a great explanation. Right. Um, but so you're right. There's this like there's a spectrum, but then it's like, how, where are you coming from? Where are they coming from? How can we have understanding? Mm -hmm. And maybe some of that is there's a conversation a little bit about what feedback's going to look like, mm -hmm. and that you care about them. And people will give you a lot of grace if they know you actually care about them. It's the it's it goes back to something I've heard, especially over the last couple of years, more mm -hmm. and more and more. Bring me a seasoned individual because I don't have time to handhold somebody. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I, you know, and again, then you have other people who are like, oh, I, I really want a young individual who will fit into, you know, so you, I've, I've always, you know, into my mold, right? Right. You've got, you've got companies who are, you know, on, on both ends of the spectrum. Um, but I, I get that, that term, bring me a seasoned individual. I don't want to handhold them. And I, I just cringe when I hear that because I'm like, yeah. it's not all, all of they're asking for is proper training and understanding. Mm -hmm. You as a company need to pivot to them so that they, so, and if you did, you would have, you, you could have the best employees in the world. But, super loyal 
super loyal when you when you give back. Absolutely, you're you're a hundred percent right. And I'll give you a, a very short example. Um, so when I worked out there in uh, Colorado, there was one of the leaders out there that was talking about someone and they're basically like, oh, you know, we got to clean up after the night, make sure the facility's clean, floors mopped. Like, oh, just let so-and-so go. Why should we let so-and-so go for the night? We still have stuff left to do. Well, they're not very good at mopping and I just don't want to pay them to do that. And I'm like, uh, and, and then it got to like, well, let's train them. Let's teach them how to do it properly. So you'll be happy with it. No, I don't want to have to pay them to train them to how to do that. Like there was this expectation that they should come in and already know how to do something. And if they didn't, it was frustration at the very least. And they didn't want to confront them about it. And I've heard that from a lot of people. They've said, you know, we've had big impacts when I was just annoyed that they would dress this way, or I was just annoyed that I had to even tell them, hey, you can't show up to work late. You know, it's not cool for you to do X, Y, Z. And I always tell people is another good example. Have the conversation that if you and I are talking, it's not, I'm not multi, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. You know why we're not doing that? Because other trainers will be like, oh, well, they are multitaskers. It's totally normal. You know, don't get upset about it. And I'm like, no, no, because we're humans. And so that is a feedback opportunity. Hey, listen, I understand I'm that way with my phone sometimes, kind of like what you said. I'm guilty of it at sometimes too. However, it breaks the interaction. It breaks the connection. And it makes it that that's more important than what we're doing here. And I don't want you to do that with anyone you interact with when you're interacting with them. I want you to have good responses and just explaining that to them. And if you tell them about that and you're like, no, I want you to, to do this. I'm concerned with how you do things. I'm giving you feedback because I actually care about your success. Mm -hmm. They're going to love that. And they're going to take that versus like, get off your phone. So as, a, as another parallel one, it's one of the most fun trainings I ever did. So we broke up the group of, of managers that were, uh, these were roofers. So these were like the, um, the foremen. And then we brought everybody in later. And this was so fun. And they told everybody at the meeting, they were rolling out that you had to take all your phones and put them in a box and they were going to lock them for the whole day. And I'm like, oh, oh, that just hurts me. That just means there's a problem that has spiraled out of control and you don't know what to do with it. So you have to get authoritarian about it, uh, which is the next point, which is autonomy. Um, you don't want to have to be where you're an authoritative person, where you're, you're lording over someone and, and controlling every step of the way with their life because they're not going to like that. You need to, to put into your culture, we're going to get work done and I'm going to trust you. Um, so yeah, that's just another piece of like, you see that same thing where they're not doing it properly. They don't even know what they should be doing. They're angry that they have to have the conversation. So they come up with like, we're going to lock it down. That's mm -hmm. our solution. That's And that's the worst thing to have to do is to where management allows it to get so far out of control that then mm -hmm. they come in with the hard-lined approach of here's what we're going to do. Set up the expectations in advance. Yes. Have all of your – have all your employee – and then if you have one person who's a problem, then you pull them aside. Deal with that one. and deal, Right. But I've seen and, – and right. I've seen and talked to too many companies who are like, well, we've got – one bad app. We're going to punish everybody. I'm like, yeah. what? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. What? You're going to have a whole lot of pissed off people. <laughs> like, Exactly. It's just a way that they can avoid um, dealing with that uncomfortable conversation directly. Right. And right. so sometimes you have to have uncomfortable conversations. You have to tell people like you can't be doing that. And other people might have let them get away with it or might not think it's a big deal. But if you have a good reason for it, you have a compassionate crucial conversation with them and you come to understanding. Right. 
so I um this did not happen to me, but I was talking with um a, a friend of mine who was managing brought in an office assistant. They managed they hired an office assistant. They were this is their yeah. employee. And um, she was in charge of sitting at the front desk and, you know, doing data entry, some pretty simple stuff, not, not brain science, but she, um, sorry. And this is hard to get through without laughing. (laughs) Young, young girl, um, really smart girl, but she would bring her iPad in and watch Netflix at her, at the front desk. And you'd have to tell her like, uh <laughs> right like i mean this for me would be like um what do you what are you doing you can't watch yes. tv at you can't watch tv at work like <laughs> but uh. i mean to have this conversation sit down with her and be like um yeah you you can't do that i mean and this person was like well why not yeah, yeah. What that do you mean? Why? That makes you frustrating. What? Not only were you breaking the rules, you don't even understand why it's a problem. Right. <laughs> and this, and again, you know, I laugh about that. We laugh about this. Yes. But this is truly a generational thing. Like, I can, yes. I, and, and I, and I thought of this when you said, you know, multitasking, because there's been multiple times where I'm sitting and, and talking with somebody and they have, there were interviews. They were doing an interview with a phone in their hand, glancing down and texting back. Oh my goodness. You're like, Oh my goodness. Right. But, like, but see, it's so funny. Like somebody hasn't taught them properly. And here's, here's, let me make, let me get a little philosophical with you. And it's a belief. I don't know if I can hundred percent prove it, but it's like in, through observation, I can say that I, I do not have kids myself, but I have witnessed thousands of kids interact with parents and adults but based on what i did in denver because it was so much fun we always get families in there and so i i understand like what kind of actions will produce what kinds of kids and resilient but one of the big things with this is they weren't taught these things properly because their parents were trying to be very nice they're trying to be their friends and back in the day your parents weren't trying to be your friends. They weren't trying to be cool with you. They didn't maybe even care if you liked them. They had rules and they had standards and you were going to represent the family in a certain way. So they would sit on you and be like, stand up straight, make eye contact, firm handshakes, pay attention. Like they sat on and everyone's like, oh, that's so mean. It destroys all this creativity and blah, 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 blah. There's some truth to all arguments, you know, like there, there's a points of views that you can say, I get what you're saying, but we've lost the discipline for doing the right thing and teaching kids like no no this is highway is my way or the highway Mm -hmm. you will show up on time you are going to follow through on this you will do this we're like oh that's so mean it's so authoritarian i want my kids to love me and you have to want them to be successful more than you want them to love you as a parent right Um, and, and so you've got to do these things right i look back at my childhood and there were plenty of times where um i remembered hating my parents because they were on me about you know you need to do this you need to do this you have to do that i mean now i i grew up grew up as a very well-adjusted woman who loves her parents and it didn't break me it it actually created a very if i may say successful woman who for the most a a wildly successful woman no um (laughs) it it you know i i'm 
well, now I have a four-year-old, so I'm not on time all the time <laughs> in the morning because, you know, trying to drag a four-year-old out of the house sometimes is, but, you know, I have an understanding of, you know, I, I make my appointments on time. When I have a business meeting, yes. I'm on time. When I, you know, m my dad, when I work, you know, I put half my money in the savings and my, you know, there were certain things. Yes. And I just already told you, yes, ma'am. No, sir. You know, they, yeah. those were just things that you don't see anymore. And, you know, yes. my, for my daughter, she's four years old. She, when she is on her iPad and yes, she has, you know, her iPad that she plays with. She, she mm -hmm. already knows all the technology of that. When I talk yep. to her, and she doesn't respond, I will walk over and I will take it out of her hand because mm -hmm. she's so engrossed in it that she's not hearing me. And I go, oh, okay. You need yeah. to remove the distraction and say, yeah. you need to listen to what I'm saying now. And then she looks at me and she's like, I want my iPad back. And I'm like, then you need to hear me and you need yes. to do what I'm telling you to do. And let me tell you, she'll do that right away because she wants her iPad back. Yeah. But well, and, and so what's cool about, like she say, the iPad, we had Sesame Street, right? We had things that we'd watch on TV. So we're definitely, I'm sure that the older generations were like, I would have been playing with a wooden toy and I'd have been figuring stuff out and you stupid kids are in front of these screens, you know? So there's always like a thing, right? And right. now we, oh, these kids, they shouldn't be doing that. Well, the good side is you can make high touch, high interactive, very smart things on an iPad that are really cool and good for them as long as you have some sort of balance and moderation and it's not their digital babysitter all the time. Yeah, mm -hmm. I see that and I understand screaming kids. I've been around and I'm like, oh man, if I could just get them to stop and I got five minutes to breathe, I'll do anything. Right. Totally get it. Totally get it. But you also have to have like what you're saying is like the device isn't more important than the human interaction. Mm -hmm. You can't be so engrossed by it that you don't even know what's going on around you. You have to be sometimes mean. And, and it's mean with love. It's, it's actually, we talk about this and Jeff talks about this because he's, all of his kids are millennials. And he's like, I kind of look sometimes the millennials a little bit like they're my kids because all my kids are millennials. So I understand it. It's that tough love. And we don't like the word tough love because we envision just angry parents spanking. But tough love is I actually care so much about you that I'm willing to risk our relationship to do what's right a little bit or i'm willing right. to push back and make it and that's what a good parent is going to do that's what a good boss is going to do Correct. like i care about you so i'm not doing this for my own selfish reasons because i don't care about you and i just want you to get it done and i want you to make my life easier even though sometimes there could be things like that at play for everybody involved because we're humans but if they know you care about them and you set something up and you've built that credit with them that they know this they will respect you which is also what kids have to do with their parents like that's good management good leadership right. you want to have respect with compassion you want mm -hmm. to have discipline with grace like the, it's it's both it's never one or the other and a lot of people are just comfortable operating and either let's ignore everything until i'm so angry i can't or let's be these like dictators on the rules. I'm running a, I'm running a military operation with my employees to do as I say now, because I said it. Um, that's even a quote we put in there. There's a, so for autonomy, I have a quote from Patton and it's roughly, if I don't remember, but it's like, don't tell people how to do things, exactly how to do them. Tell them what you want done and let them surprise you with their ingenuity. 
Patton said that. Think right. of how old that quote is. And it's 100% true. It's more true today than ever. Tell me what you want to get done. Give me some guardrails. Now, some people are like, well, problem with millennials or younger people, they want to color all over. They want to do things any way they want to do them. Mm -hmm. And like, we've got some rules here that are hard and fast. And so that's a, that's an expectations. That's a boundary conversation you have to have with those people. Why are we doing it only this way for this? And then where are the areas that you can have autonomy? You can mm -hmm. have um, those differences. So yeah, but you're right. Why have these lacked? Why have these gotten lost? It is uh, in my roughest assessment the parents don't want to be mean they want to be liked by their kids they they wish they had a a, a more loving relationship maybe with their parents they wish they weren't forced to do these things but then they don't realize why well they never enforce those things they never had those expectations so then their kids annoy them because technically that is their own internal standard mm -hmm. but they're not projecting it and, and putting it on them like yeah. they maybe and, and I go back to a story that I remember. I was probably about, um, I would say I was 22 years old. Um, I, 20, maybe 23, it doesn't matter. I was working with a um, an older woman who had, I think she had like six or seven grown children, okay? Um, the, most of them were grown. The baby that she, the baby of the family that she had, I think was around 15 or 16 years old. And I remember her telling me a story about how, they were struggling with her um, and she was, you know, she was skipping school. She was doing all these things and they were trying to work with her and enforce her to go to school. And this 16 year old or 15 year old came back to them and said, there's nothing you can do about it because if you try to make me to go to school, I'll tell them that you're beating me. And I went, wait, your response to be, well, I'll just beat you instead. And then you can right. tell them the truth. <laughs> right. And I kind of went, Oh, Wow. Okay. That puts a whole new spin on discipline. Um, hmm. Yeah. So now and, we're talking about a societal problem correct. and a societal norm, because if you went back 50 years, not only would your parents beat you, but every other adult that saw you misbehaving and, and right. they were okay with it. Well, and, with it. <laughs> and, and I go back to the story because we as a society has it, things have definitely flipped on their head. And I'm not saying that every kid is, you know, pulling the, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll lie and I'll tell everybody. But I think that parents have lost a little bit of that. Uh, one, it, if you tell, you know, your your friends, oh, I spanked my kid, you get that look of, you spanked your kid. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah. horrible. How dare you? But there are times that warrant a, Absolutely. a heavy hand of, you know, my daughter was doing something that was putting her her in harm's way. And when I was trying yes. to adjust her or trying to adjust the behavior, she wasn't listening. And it, and I'm not saying that I spanked her, but it took a little bit more than just, Hey honey, don't do that. It took a, yeah. you know, much more aggressive approach because she was about to, you know, break her arm kind of situation. Yeah, you know, like, absolutely. How are you going to negotiate with someone? You can't negotiate right. with a four year old. About right. Their, their like something they have no concept over Correct. absolutely so but i think that there has become a time and and i'm not just speaking to parenting i'm speaking also mm -hmm. to the workforce where people have become so sue happy people have become so mm -hmm. so um you know you can't you know do this or you can't do that because if you discipline them the wrong way 
there is a possibility that this person could come, you know, back with a lawsuit. And I think that because the world, you know, has, and I think it's settled down a little bit, but there was a time period that, you know, HR took a shift and kind of went, oh crap. Um, We need to really be careful with every conversation we have and HR really should be part of that conversation if you're going to be disciplining somebody or doing some training with somebody because we don't want to get sued. And I think part of, you know, part of that makes some of it and, you know, the we'll just do the blanket approach so that we're treating everybody the same. Lock up all the phones. Then we're not just discriminating. Then correct. And I unfortunately, that is just part of the way that things have shifted because we became a Sue happy society. Yes. And everybody is afraid to death to get sued or to get yeah. or to be accused of discrimination because yeah. one person was, you know, on their phone at, you know, at their job all day. And now, oh, you're picking on me. Well, I'm going to yes. sue you yes. because you took my phone away because I was breaking the rules. And, you know, yes. and of course, it's not that person's fault. It's the job yes. that they're it's their fault. So we definitely have reversed that just to touch on that and please continue. But this idea of personal responsibility and what I brought to it and what, how I created the problem, there's a lot of this, this is what you, this is your responsibility. I'm not responsible for my own actions. Correct. You're responsible. You should have been doing something different. So I didn't do that. That goes into all kinds of suing things where people oh, are like, yeah. really you can sue for that, but you're the one who did it stupid. Right. No, well, they shouldn't have even given me the opportunity where that could have happened. Right. So I'm right there with you. We get a societal right. problem that you mm-hmm. have to deal with. Right. I mean, it, and it goes all the way down to, you know, I have a, an employee scheduled for an interview and they don't show up. And then when they want to reschedule, oh, well, they are not going to hire me because I'm a woman or they're not, they, they're not interested in me because I'm xyz or whatever it might be and it's like wait well, it wasn't well, that they missed the appointment it has nothing to do with the fact that you no showed your interview it now has to do with the fact that you're you know it's like what how are you avoiding personal uh, you know avoiding the personal responsibility of no showing an interview or you know showing up to your first day of work and and no calling no showing but now it's now it's the jobs or the company that's discriminating against you because of X, Y, Z. It's like, yeah. so I, and I see that constantly, yes. constantly, because again, I'm in, you know, my day job is in staffing. So, you know, and I don't want to take the cynical approach. I still am a true optimist. I still see people for, you know, yeah. the good. Um, and I don't know how I continue to do that after 17 years in this industry, <laughs> but I do, I truly do. I, I try to find the good in people, no matter, no matter what, yeah. but there is definitely, I mean, part of that is, and unfortunately, because of that shift, we as parents, and, and it comes down to that, we as parents have those fears. So we've raised our children that way. And now our children or the, you know, the, the new, the youngest working they just continue to per- perpetuate these behaviors yeah. and, you know, in order to fix it, they're going to have to learn from the generation before them, which is always what happens, right? 
hundred percent. You you brought up some great points that it, like the problem is so big in society. It's like we neither you nor I are going to be able to solve it um, ourselves. The only thing we can do is that everybody we interact with, we either we either explain, we preach about it, we we bring out information to inform people, we talk about it, and we, we start conversations. The best we can do is making an adjustment with the people around us, because it is a big thing. There's been a big shift, and it creates obvious problems. And you, 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 some, it gets to the point where people want to argue about everything being relative, and, and it's kind of this and that, and oh, well, it's just this, or, you know, and we even talk about this and this, you know, you can go back to like, we have a quote of, I think it was Socrates or somebody pretending to be Socrates in a play, but you know, it's like from BC about how they, the, this generation is terrible, and they don't respect their elders, and they're lazy, and like, it's been going on that friction in generations for a long time. But if you just look at it in reality, if you see some of these these end things that are happening, you can say there's nothing good about that. There's nothing good about people making up frivolous lawsuits. There's nothing good about a daughter threatening uh, a loving mom or dad that they're going to lie about them. Like there's nothing good about that ever anytime. And so we have to have very candid, very compassionate. Two things, you always have to document because the reality of society is people are taking less and less personal responsibility and they put so much onus on employers to prove that they did everything possible. If you're a good employer, you did do everything possible and you should be able to document that. If you're a good manager, you should be able to document that you gave this person every possible chance and it just wasn't going to happen. And then if you personally show them that you care and you do really try your best, you're going to mitigate those things. You can't completely eliminate them. You got to do your best. It's a sad reality um, because in other cultures and other countries, even today, and in other times in history, it would never be thought of, but then you also had people, and it still happens today, and it flies under the radar, that people do discriminate for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. Like, again, like not that they're um, specifically picking on them, but they don't want to invest in them. They don't want to train them. They didn't like the way they did something. They want to get rid of them. Well, that's not really fair either. So we just have a lot of stuff that we have to figure out. And that's where, again, conversations like this, when you go in and work with people in one-on-one, -on -one, when you work with those candidates and you're the neutral recruiter and you can say, no, no, they didn't discriminate against you. When you don't show up, it looks really bad. It doesn't matter who you are. That's going to, they don't want to deal with something because how that's your first impression. Right. Remember when first impressions used to be like you drilled in that you make a good first impression. Now, you know, you ain't going to get another interview if you screw up a first impression. Well, no, I think they don't like this. Why would they have given you an interview in the first place? Right. right? right. Like this is illogical. This is nonsense. So take some personal responsibility. You know, maybe, maybe you, maybe you also agree. Like, I don't want to put this person in front of someone because that's going to make me look bad. But maybe you said, you know what? I genuinely believe that something happens. They don't know you well enough. I know you better. I'm going to put you in front of a different whatever. However, if you like, you fool me once, shame on you, fool me right. twice. Like if it happens again, then we're done because you can't make me look foolish twice. I'm not going to allow it. And you have to have maybe that level of candid thing. Like there are real consequences to this. Mm -hmm. And then they'll probably, if they do it, then they'll ghost you. <laughs> they won't even apologize. Right. <laughs> well, and, and I'm, I am, all my listeners know that I am a true believer that life happens and life is messy. Things sure. come up like kids get sick flat tires do actually happen not nearly as much as you know i've 
heard than people have claimed. But flat you tires, send me a picture. right? And you, right. And you better have let the air out of your tire to make a good picture, <laughs> and then I'll but, believe you. I mean, flat tires do happen. Cars break down. Family members get sick. Emergencies come up constantly. I, I, you know, I have emergencies all the time in my. The point, Absolutely. right? It, it's it's a fact of life, and and I am a true believer that we cannot separate work and life all the time. There there are times when they blend together. I get it. I understand it. I'm compassionate about it. What I do not accept is that you cannot show up without some explanation prior to that. We carry, as you have been talking about, a a piece of, you know, machinery, not machinery, a, a high-tech computer yes. in our pocket everywhere we go. So in this day and age, there is no possibility, no excuse. And using, oh, my cell phone was dead. How often is your cell phone die? <laughs> I mean... I don't think I'm pretty sure my cell phone has not died on me. In fact, I know my cell phone has not died on me in in years. Yes. Because yes. now I have a charger in my car. I have a charger at work. I have a charger. They now have, you know, banks. You can plug into them. Right. So yeah. the excuse, oh, I'm so sorry. My cell phone was dead. Yes. It's just not. It's just not like, realistic. Must mean you're not a very good planner, is what it sounds like. No right. contingency plan, no backup plan. Um, no, okay. But if that would even, even if that were true, it would say something negative about you. To Correct. be honest, so. I mean, you can now go to a Brewers game, and if you need to, you can pay to charge it at a Brewers sure. game. I mean, so, anyways, we are coming to time. Okay. So I would love to ask you the question of the season. All right. If, Hit, lay it on me. If you could go back to your younger self and give yourself advice, when would you go back and what advice would you give yourself? Such a great question. You know, I think people always have, they're like, I live with no regrets. I wouldn't go back and change anything. I think I could pick a ton of great things that I would go back. You know, I would love to be a time traveler and be like, Hey, Hey, actually <laughs> I right? would love to do that for myself. Mm -hmm. But if I could think of a few things that stood out that I have said before, I would say a couple things in, in high school, in college, I think in general, a lot of things, um, the level I went to a very nice high school, but it wasn't that hard for me. If I showed up to class, I could get by. I could remember things. If I took notes, I would remember it. But I was like, man, I was in school. I didn't really have anything else that was like absolutely had to do. There was a lot of people and a lot of knowledge and a lot of things. I bet you I could have done even better than what I did. It, like it was already easy for me. So I wasn't trying as hard. I'm like, but there was opportunity. If I was more disciplined, if I was a little more, I could have taken everything possible and squeezed it out of that and and even like you know like a slingshot i could have pulled back leaned into it super hard and flung even and further and faster forward so that's one thing that's something that it's just like there was opportunity like there was more opportunity i could have squeezed out of that situation and that's one if i can give two i also think about it a lot that even though 
like I was being a very millennial at that point that I left that job because of that guy. I had this amazing experience, life-changing. I built great friends in Denver. I would have done it a little different. I would have stayed maybe another year, year and a half. I would have jumped that rung that they were already like, I can't believe you're leaving. Like we were just going to promote you. Like I would have gotten promoted that next level. I would have experienced a few kind of cool things in corporate that would have um, been very good for my development. And then I would have probably left a year or two later, and then I would have went out to Colorado because I had such a great experience. I met so many great people, but then I ultimately didn't completely follow through with that. Or I shouldn't say follow through, but like I wanted to do, uh, you know, family businesses are tough and people have different visions and they have different things. So I'm like, I really enjoyed my experience out there, but it was never also going to be mine. I thought, oh, this is going to be mine. I'm going to take this over. And it's like, no, the entrepreneur who started it really wanted to keep it going that way and didn't want to give me as a millennial as much autonomy. So I'm like, man, I love the experience, but it didn't go as I thought. And I came back to Wisconsin anyway why did i ever leave but it's like i can't trade that because i have i have lifelong friendships from that i have totally different experiences i loved being out there so i had to do it i just would have changed the time and again that would have been just a little better for everything in my belief but who knows maybe that would have ruined everything it's like the butterfly effect i don't know maybe mm -hmm. it would have destroyed everything and everything happened the way it was supposed to i'll hope that that's true I, I truly do believe that everything happens the way that it's supposed to. And, and, and again, I would love to be able to go back and whisper in my own ear yeah. about like, hey, it's going to be all right. You're going to get through this. But I'm one of those people that all of the, the pains and all of the tri mm -hmm. triumphs that I went through have built me up to be who I am today. And I... 100%. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would change anything. And I've I've had a rocky I've had a rocky road. Um, you know, most roads that are worth listening to have a lot of twists and turns and some tears and some, you know, scream out loud, jump up, down triumphs. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but thank I'm you. I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I yeah. love that you look at it that way. That really is how I look at it. And what I tell people all the time, it's like, you need those bad things to give you perspective and to appreciate the really good. You needed those hard times that fire to forge your character. Those are so important that you think you could take those out. And maybe even as a parenting thing, just to wrap up the conversation we had from before, I'm going to remove all the obstacles for my kids you create weak kids because they didn't have any adversity because they didn't have those struggles because they didn't have those tough times because you wanted to make everything perfect. Well, how can you not create a less resilient population, a less resilient group of kids if you give them no hardships to struggle against? Struggle, hardships, pain, those are usually good for you. And I would say that the easy thing is if it doesn't break you and completely destroy you, but it's right up to that edge, you're going to be really strong and, and be capable of doing so much more in the future. So don't shy away from those, those dark parts of your past. Don't shy away from those hard times right. because those, those forge character. You want to know how I learned that I could not fly? Jumping off your roof of your house with a cape. Yeah. Well, something similar to that. Um, you remember the, what is it? A rocket ride. You sit on somebody's feet and they shoot you into the air rocket ride uh, yeah. yeah okay yeah, okay oh you like you're laying and they like shoot you up and something like that well you they're laying down you sit on yep. their feet and then they shoot you up 
Okay. All right. So, um, a rocket ride. I learned that I could not fly. I broke my arm. Ooh. Let me tell you, I never tried to fly again. Um, those are the moments, you know, when you, it hurt like hell. Yeah. But you know what? I'll never try to fly again. <laughs> You'll never do something foolish like that because you have right. a more wisdom, more experience. You know the threshold of your body. You know if, a little bit more. If you if you wrap your kids in bubble wrap and send them out to the world, eventually they're going to grow up and they're going to be out in the world on their own, no longer wrapped in bubble wrap. It is going yeah. to be a hell of a lot harder for them to figure things out. Exactly. I tell them this, you can either be tough on your kids or you can let the world be tough on them. Right. You can let them struggle and flounder and hit their head against and get discouraged or you can provide opportunities for them to grow. You can't do both. You can't be super nice, wrap them in bubble wrap um, and pretend like that's what the world is like because all that bubble wrap is going to get popped. Right. And think, popped. think about their mental health. Yes. When they are out in the world on their own. It, yes. I mean, they're going to be beat to shit in that first couple of years. And they're probably going to come running home to mommy and daddy going, I'm really depressed. I'm really and upset. That, that's yes. Yeah. Geez, we could have, we could have, we should have a whole other conversation too about um, just even the mental health crisis. Cause when I do, oh, yeah. we, have, we have three programs on this and one of this is a generation when we were talking a little bit about, I have that millennial one. And then we have one of millennials and Gen Z's and there's a lot of things in there that statistically are going on right now. Like, there should be every opportunity in the world, but but depression and and um, people medicating and things like that and feeling unfulfilled like that's at an all time high. Oh, and yeah. even in other countries, in poorer countries, people in, in younger generations aren't aren't experiencing this what we're experiencing from this like excess and from opportunity, but also what we've been told. And I think a lot of times younger generations have been told a lie, which is you can be, do, or have whatever you want for existing. Yeah. And you, you cannot, you can work really hard at something. You can have natural abilities that lend to that. You can have experiences that make you perfect and you can go out and you can be happy, but it's not going to come chase you down. Really. It's not going to make it happen without you making it happen. You and are, it's going to be hard. You are not entitled to anything. Reach it. Boom. Yeah. It's it. And that the, it's the entitlement generation. It's the, well, I exist on this planet for the world to give me something. No, you don't. You are not entitled to anything. You need to get off your ass and make it happen yourself. And I am, I am so sick and tired of, of people like, well, I mean, I went to college. Okay. Did you have a job? Well, no, I'm, I'm trying to get my first job. Yeah. You're how old? You're 20, you're 24. I'm sorry. You've never had a job. I yes. started my first job when I was like 11 or 12. Yeah, exactly. Lots. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay. We, we could go on for another we, we will. hour. Part two. Part right. Two. Um, but since we are at time, if somebody wanted to reach out, contact you, um, how would they go about doing that? Randy? I think one of the best ways, and plus you always get to see the content. You get to know me a little bit more. I love uh, Instagram is one of my favorite. LinkedIn is my other favorite. Both of those at Randy Walensky. You can find me. There aren't that many of us out here. Uh, easy to find. Would love to connect with you. I do have a website, randywalensky.com. But I always love if we can get an interaction where you get to see a little bit of what I'm up to, what I believe in. Instagram or 
Um, again, LinkedIn, great ways to connect. Would love to have a conversation, love meeting new people, figuring out what they've got going on. So hit me up on that. Awesome. Hey, this has been such an amazing conversation. I love um, just having awesome, great conversations with brilliant, intelligent people. So <laughs> Randy, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate this opportunity. I appreciate you. I can't wait to have another conversation with you. I look forward to it in the future. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.